You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. Entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. Ancient Egypt was a civilization of ancient northeastern Africa, concentrated along the lower reaches of the Nile River in what is now known as a modern country of Egypt. It is one of six civilizations to arise independently. Egyptian civilization followed prehistoric Egypt and coalesced around 3150 BC. With the political unification of Upper and Lower Egypt under the first pharaoh, Narmer. The history of ancient Egypt occurred in a series of stable kingdoms separated by periods of relative instability known as the intermediate periods. The Old Kingdom of the Early Bronze Age, the Middle Kingdom of the Middle Bronze Age, and the New Kingdom of the Late Bronze Age. We continue on in our story to the Late Period the years 672 to 332 BC. With no permanent plans for conquest, the Assyrians left control of Egypt to a series of vassals who became known as the Sage Kings of the 26th Dynasty. By the year 653 BC, the Sage King Samatik I taking advantage of the fact that the Assyrian was involved in a fierce war conquering Elam and that a few Assyrian troops were stationed in Egypt, was able to free Egypt relatively peacefully from Assyrian vassalage with the help of Lydian and Greek mercenaries, the latter of whom were recruited to form Egypt's first navy Samatik and his successors, however, were careful to maintain peaceful relations with Assyria. Greek influence expanded greatly as the city of Nacaratis became home of the Greeks 
in the Delta. In 609 BC, Necho II went to war with Babylonia and the Chaldeans, the Medians, and the Scythians in an attempt to save Assyria, which, after a brutal civil war, was being overrun by this coalition of powers. However, the attempt to save Egypt's former masters failed. The Egyptians delayed intervening too long, and Nineveh had already fallen, and King Sinshara Ishkun was dead by the time Necho II sent his armies northwards. However, Necho easily brushed aside the Israelite army under King Josiah, but he and the Assyrians then lost the battle to Haran to the Babylonians, Medes, and Scythians. Necho II and Ashurbanipal II of Assyria were finally defeated at Carchemish in Aramea, which is modern-day Syria, in the year 605 BC. The Egyptians remained in the area for some decades, struggling with the Babylonian king Nabopolassar and Nebuchadnezzar II for control of portions of the former Assyrian Empire in the Levant. However, they were eventually driven back into Egypt and Nebuchadnezzar II even briefly invaded Egypt himself in the year 567 BC. The Sate kings based in the new capital of Sais witness a brief but spirited resurgence in the economy and culture. But in 525 BC, the powerful Persians, led by Cambyses II, began their conquest of Egypt and eventually capturing the pharaoh Samatik III at the Battle of Pelsium. Cambyses II then assumed the formal title of pharaoh, but ruled Egypt from his home of Susa in Persia, which is modern-day Iran, leaving Egypt under the control of a satrapy. A few temporarily successful revolts against the Persians marked the 5th century BC, but Egypt was never able to permanently overthrow the Persians. Following its annexation by Persia, Egypt was joined with Cy Cyprus and Phoenicia, which is modern-day Lebanon, in the sixth strapathy of the Archimede Persian Empire. This first period of Persian rule over Egypt, also known as the 27th Dynasty, ended after more than 100 years in 402 BC, and from 380 to 343 BC, the 30th dynasty ruled as the last native royal house of dynastic Egypt, which ended with the kingship of Nekintabo II. A brief restoration of Persian rule, sometimes known as the 35th, 31st dynasty, began in 343 BC. But shortly after, in 332 BC, the Persian ruler Masochus handed Egypt over to the Macedonian ruler, Alexander the Great, without a fight. The Ptolemaic period in 
332 BC. In 332 BC, Alexander the Great conquered Egypt with little resistance from the Persians and was welcomed by the Egyptians as a deliverer. The administration established by Alexander's successor, the Macedonian Ptolemaic king, was based on an Egyptian model and based in the new capital city of Alexandria. The city showcased the power and prestige of Hellenistic rule and became a seat of learning and culture, centered at the famous Library of Alexandria. The Lighthouse of Alexandria lit the way for many ships that kept trade flowing through the city, as the Ptolemies made commerce and revenue-generating enterprises, such as papyrus manufacturing, their top priority. Hellenistic culture did not supplant native Egyptian culture, as the Ptolemies supported time-honored traditions in an effort to secure the loyalty of the populace. They built new temples in Egyptian style, supported traditional cults, and portrayed themselves as pharaohs. Some traditions merged as Greek and Egyptian gods were syncretized into composite deities, such as Serapis, and the classical Greek forms of sculpture, including traditional Egyptian motifs. Despite their efforts to appease the Egyptians, the Ptolemies were challenged by native rebellion, bitter family rivals, and the powerful mob of Alexandria that formed after the death of Ptolemy IV. In addition, as Rome relied more heavily on imports of grain from Egypt, the Romans took great interest in the political situation in the country. Continued Egyptian revolts, ambitious politicians, and powerful Syriac opponents from the Near East made this situation unstable, leading Rome to send forces to secure the country as a province of its empire. Finally, the Roman period. Egypt became a province of the Roman Empire in 30 BC, following the defeat of Mark Antony and the Ptolemaic queen Cleopatra VII by Octavian, later Emperor Augustus, in the Battle of Astium. The Romans relied heavily on grain shipments from Egypt, and the Roman army, under the control of a perfect appointed by the emperor, quelled rebellions, strictly enforced the collection of heavy taxes, and prevented attacks by bandits, which had become a notorious problem during the period. Alexandria became an increasingly important center on trade route with the Orient, as exotic luxuries were in high demand in Rome. Although the Romans had a more hostile attitude than the Greeks towards the Egyptians, some traditions such as mummification and worship of the traditional gods continued. The art of mummy, mummy portraiture flourished, and some Roman emperors had themselves depicted as pharaohs, though not to the extent that the Ptolemies had. The former lived outside Egypt and did not perform the ceremonial functions of Egyptian kingship. Local administration became Roman in style, and closed to native Egyptians. 
from the mid-first century AD, Christianity took root in Egypt, and it was originally seen as another cult that could be accepted. However, it was an uncompromising religion that sought to win converts from Egyptian religion and Greco-Roman religion and threatened popular religious traditions. This led to the persecution of converts to Christianity, culminating in the great purges of Diocletian starting in the year 303. But eventually, Christianity won out. In the year 391, the Christian emperor Theodosius introduced legislation that banned pagan rites and closed temples. Alexandria became the scene of great anti-pagan riots with public and private religious imagery destroyed. As a consequence, Egypt's native religious culture was continually in decline, while the native population certainly continued to speak their language the ability to read hieroglyphic writing slowly disappeared as the role of the Egyptian temple priests and priestess diminished. The temple themselves were sometimes converted to churches or simply abandoned to the desert. We now turn to administration and commerce. The pharaoh was the absolute monarch of the country and, at least in theory, wielded complete control of the land and its resources. The king was the supreme military commander and head of the government, who relied on a bureaucracy of officials to manage his affairs. In charge of the administration was his second in the command, the vizier, who acted as the king's representative and coordinated land surveys. The treasury, building projects, the legal system, and the archives. At a regional level, the country was divided into many as 42 administrative regions called gnomes, each governed by a nomarch who was accountable to the visor for his jurisdiction. The temples formed the backbone of the economy. Not only were they houses of worship, but were also responsible for collecting and storing the nation's wealth in a system of granaries and treasuries administered by the overseers who redistributed grain and goods. Much of the economy was centrally organized and strictly controlled. Although the ancient Egyptians did not use coinage until the late period, they did use a type of money barter system with standard sacks of grain and the deben, a weight of roughly 91 grams or 33 ounces of copper or silver forming a common denominator. Workers were paid in grain. A simple laborer might earn five and a half sacks which is roughly 200 kilograms or 400 pounds of grain per month, while a foreman might earn seven and a half stacks, 
which was roughly 250 kilograms or 550 pounds of grain per month. Prices were fixed across the country and recorded in a list to facilitate trading. For example, a shirt cost five copper debon, while a cow cost 140 debon. Grain could be traded for other goods according to the fixed price list. During the fifth century BC, coin money was introduced into Egypt from abroad. At first, the coins were used as standardized pieces of precious metal rather than true money. But in the following centuries, international traders came to rely on coinage. Egyptian society was highly stratified and social status was expressly displayed. Farmers made up the bulk of the population, but agriculture produce was owned directly by the state, temple, or noble family that owned the land. Farmers were also subject to a labor tax and were required to work on irrigation and construction projects in a corvée system. Artists and craftsmen were of higher status than farmers, but they were also under control of the state, working in the shops attached to the temples and paid directly from the state treasury. Scribes and officials formed the upper class in ancient Egypt, known as the white kilt class, in reference to the bleached linen garments that served as a mark of their rank. The upper class prominently displayed their social status in art and literature. Below the nobility were the priests, physicians and engineers, with specialized training in their field. Slavery was known in ancient Egypt, but the extent and prevalence of its practice are unclear. The ancient Egyptians viewed men and women including people from all social classes except slaves, as essentially equal under law, and even the lowliest peasant was entitled to position the viserer and his court for redress. Although slaves were mostly used as indentured servants, they were able to buy and sell or work their way to freedom or nobility and usually were treated by doctors in the workplace. Both men and women had the right to own and sell property, make contracts, marry and divorce, receive inheritance, and pursue legal disputes in court. Married couples could own property jointly and protect themselves from divorce by agreeing to marriage contracts which stipulated the financial obligations of the husband to his wife and children should the marriage end. Compared with their counterparts in ancient Greece, Rome, and even more the more modern places around the world, ancient Egyptian women had a greater range of personal choices and opportunity for achievement. Women such as Hashabat and Cleopatra VII even became pharaohs 
while others wielded power as divine wives of Amunen. Despite these freedoms, ancient Egyptian women did not take part in official roles in the administration, served only secondary roles in the temples, and were not as likely to be as educated as men. The head of the legal system was official, officially the pharaoh, who was responsible for enacting laws, delivering justice, and maintaining law and order, a concept the ancient Egyptians referred to as ma'at. Although no legal codes from ancient Egypt survive, court documents show that Egyptian law was based on a common sense view of right and wrong that emphasized reaching agreements and resolving conflicts rather than strictly adhering to a complicated set of statutes. Local councils of elders, known as the Kenebet in the New Kingdom, were responsible for ruling in court cases involving small claims and minor disputes. More serious cases involving murder, major land transactions, and tomb robbery were referred to to the great Kenebet, over which the viceroy or pharaoh presided. Plaintiffs and defendants were expected to represent themselves, and they were required to swear an oath that they had told the truth. In some cases, the state took on both the role of prosecutor and judge, and it could torture the accused with beatings to obtain a confession and the names of any co-conspirators. Whether the charges were trivial or serious, court scribes documented the complaint, testimony, and verdict of the case for future reference. Punishment for minor crimes involved either imposition of fines, beatings, facial mutilation, or exile depending on the severity of the offense. Serious crimes such as murder and tomb robbery were punished by execution, carried out by decapitation, drowning, or impaling the criminal on a stake. Punishment could also be extended to the criminal's family. Beginning in the New Kingdom period, oracles played a major role in the legal system dispensing justice in both civil and criminal cases. The procedure was to ask the god a yes or no question concerning the right or wrong of an issue. The god, carried by a number of priests, rendered judgment by choosing one or the other, moving forward or backward, or pointing to one of the answers written on a piece of papyrus. agriculture was very important to the Egyptians. A combination of favorable geographical features contributed to the success of ancient Egyptian culture, the most important of which was the rich, fertile soil resulting from annual indonations of the Nile River. The ancient Egyptians were thus able to produce an abundance of food 
allowing the population to vote more time and resources to cultural, technological, and artistic pursuits. Land management was crucial in ancient Egypt because taxes were assessed based on the amount of land a person owned. Farming in Egypt was dependent on the cycle of the Nile River. The Egyptians recognized three seasons, Akhet, which was flooding, Peret, which was planting, and Shimu, which was harvesting. The flooding season lasted from June to September, depositing on the river's bank a layer of mineral-rich silt ideal for growing crops. After the floodwaters had receded, the growing season lasted from October to February. Farmers plowed and planted seeds in the field, which were irrigated with ditches and canals. Egypt received little rainfall, so farmers relied on the Nile to water their crops. From March to May, farmers used sickles to harvest their crops, which were then threshed with a flail to separate the straw from the grain. Winnowing removed the chaff from the grain, and the grain was then ground into flour, brewed to make beer, or stored for later use. The ancient Egyptians cultivated emmer and barley and several other cereal grains, all of which were used to make the two main food staples of bread and beer. Flax plants, uprooted before they started flowering, were grown for the fibers of their stems. These fibers were split along their length and spun into thread, which was used to weave sheets of linen and to make clothing. Papyrus growing on the banks of the Nile River was used to make paper. Vegetables and fruits were grown in the garden plots, close to habitations and on higher ground, and had to be watered by hand. Vegetables included leeks, garlic, melons, squashes, pulses, lettuce, and other crops. In addition to grapes that were made, into wine. The Egyptians also had animals. The Egyptians believed that the balanced relationship between people and their animals was an essential element of the cosmic order. Thus humans, animals, and plants were believed to be members of a single whole. Animals both domesticated and wild were therefore a critical source of spirituality, companionship, and sustenance to the ancient Egyptians. Cattle were the most important livestock. The administration collected taxes on livestock in regular censuses, and then the size of the herd reflected the prestige and importance of the estate or temple that owned them. In addition to cattle, the ancient Egyptians kept sheep, goats, and pigs. Poultry such as ducks, geese, and pigeons were captured in nets and bred on farms, 
where they were force-fed with dough to fatten them. The Na provided a plentiful source of fish. Bees were also domesticated from at least the Old Kingdom period, and they provided both honey and wax. The ancient Egyptians used donkeys and oxen as beasts of burden, and they were responsible for plowing the fields and trampling seed into the soil. The slaughter of a fattened ox was also a central part of the offering ritual. Horses were introduced by the Hyksos in the second intermediate period, and the camel, although known from the New, King New Kingdom, was not used as a beast of burden until the late period. There is also evidence to suggest that elephants were briefly utilized in the late period, but largely abandoned due to lack of grazing land. Dogs, cats, and monkeys were common family pets, while more exotic pets imported from the heart of Africa, such as lions, were reserved for royalty. Herodotus observed that the Egyptians were the only people to keep their animals with them in their houses. During the pre-dynastic and late periods, the worship of gods in their animal form was extremely popular, such as the cat goddess Bastet and the ibis god Thoth, and these animals were bred in large numbers on farms for the purpose of ritual sacrifice. There was quite a bit of natural resources. Egypt is rich in building and decorative stone, copper and lead ores, gold and semi-precious stones. These natural resources allowed the ancient Egyptians to build monuments sculpt statues, make tools, and fashion jewelry. Embalmers use the salts from the Wadi Natrum for mummification, which also provided the gypsum needed to make plaster. Ore-bearing rock formations were found in distant, inhospitable Wadis in the eastern desert and the Sinai, requiring large state-controlled expeditions to obtain the natural resources found there. There were extensive gold mines in Nubia, and one of the first maps known is a gold mine in this region. The Wadi Hammamat was a notable source of granite, graywack, and gold. Flint was the first mineral collected and used to make tools, and flint hand axes are the earliest pieces of evidence of habitation in the Nile Valley. Nodules of the mineral were carefully flaked to make blades and arrowheads of moderate hardness and durability, even after copper was adopted for this purpose. Ancient Egyptians were among the first to use minerals such as sulfur, as cosmetic substances. 
The Egyptians worked deposits of the lead ore galena at Gebel Rosas to make net sinkers, plumb bobs, and small figurines. Copper was the most important metal for tool making in ancient Egypt and was smelted in furnaces from malachite ore mined in the Sinai. Workers collected gold by washing the nuggets out of the sediment in alluvial deposits or by the more labor-intensive process of grinding and washing gold-bearing quartzite. Iron deposits found in Upper Egypt were utilized in the late period. High-quality building stones were abundant in Egypt. The ancient Egyptians quarried limestone all along the Nile Valley, granite from Aswan, and basalt and sandstone from the Wadis of the Eastern Desert. Deposits of decorative stone such as porphyry, graywack, alabaster, and carnelian dotted the eastern desert and were collected even before the first dynasty. In the Ptolemaic and Roman periods, miners worked deposits of emeralds in the Wadi Sikarite and the amethyst in the Wadi El Hudi. Ancient Egyptians engaged in trade with foreign neighbors to obtain rare exotic goods not found in Egypt. In the pre-dynastic period, they established trade with Nubia to obtain gold and incense. They also established trade with Palestine as evidenced by the Palestine-style oil jugs found in the burials of the first dynasty pharaohs. The Egyptian colony stationed in southern Khans dates to slightly before the first dynasty. Narmer had Egyptian pottery produced in Khan and exported back to Egypt. By the second dynasty at last, ancient Egyptian trade with Byblos yielded a critical source of quality timber not found in Egypt. By the 5th dynasty, trade with Punt provided gold, aromatic resins, ebony, ivory, and wild animals such as monkeys and baboons. Egypt relied on trade with Anatolia for essential qualities and quantities of tin, as well as supplementary supplies of copper, both metals being necessary for the manufacture of bronze. The ancient Egyptians prized the blue stone lapis lazuli, which had to be imported from faraway Afghanistan. Egyptian Mediterranean trade partners also included Greece and Crete, which provided, among other goods, supplies of olive oil. In exchange for its luxury imports and raw materials, Egypt mainly exported grain, gold, linen, and papyrus, in addition to other finished goods including glass and stone objects. The Egyptian language is a northern Afro-Asiatic language 
closely related to the Berber and Semitic languages. It has the second longest history of any language, after Sumerian, of course, having been written from circa 3200 BC to the Middle Ages and remaining as a spoken language for longer. The phases of ancient Egyptian are Old Egyptian, Middle Egyptian, Middle Egyptian, which is also known as Classical Egyptian, Late Egyptian, Demotic, and Coptic. Egyptian writings do not show dialect differences before Coptic, but it was probably spoken in regional dialects around Memphis and later Thebes. Ancient Egyptian was a synthetic language, but it became more analytic later on. Late Egyptian developed prefixual definite and indefinite articles, which replaced the older ineffectual suffixes. There was a change from the older verb-subject-object word order to subject-verb-object. The Egyptian hieroglyphic heretic and demotic scripts were eventually replaced by the more modern phonetic Coptic alphabet. Coptic is still used in the liturgy of the Egyptian Orthodox Church and traces of it are found in modern Egyptian Arabic. Ancient Egyptian had 25 consonants similar to those of other Afro-Asiatic languages. These include pharyngeal and emphatic consonants, voiced and voiceless stops, voiceless fricatives, and voiced and voiceless affricates. It has three long and three short vowels, which expanded in later Egyptian to about nine the basic word in Egyptian, similar to Semitic and Berber, is a trilateral or biliteral root of consonants and semi-consonants. Suffixes are added to form words. The verb congregation corresponds to the person. For example, the tri Constantinatal skeleton SDM is the Semitic core of the word here. Its basic conjunction is SDM, he hears. If the subject's a noun, suffixes are not added to the verb. SDM, HMT, the woman hears. But what was really interesting about the Egyptians was their writing. Hieroglyphic writing dates back from circa 3000 BC and is composed of hundreds of symbols. A hieroglyph can present, represent a word, a sound, or a silent determinative, and the same symbol can serve different purposes in different contexts. Hieroglyphics were a formal script 
used on stone monuments and in tombs that could be as detailed as individuals' works of arts. In day-to-day writing, scribes used a cursive form of writing called heretic, which was quicker and easier. While formal hieroglyphs may be read in rows or columns in either direction, though typically written from right to left. Heretic was always written from right to left, usually in horizontal rows. A new form of writing, demotic, became the prevalent writing style, and it is this form of writing, along with formal hieroglyphs, that accompanied the Greek text on the Rosetta Stone. Around the first century AD, the Coptic alphabet started to be used alongside the the Demotic script. Coptic is a modified Greek alphabet with the addition of some Demotic signs. Although formal hieroglyphs were used in a ceremonial role until the fourth century, towards the end, only a small handful of priests could still read them. As the traditional religious establishments were disbanded, knowledge of the hieroglyphic writing was mostly lost. Attempts to decipher them date to the Byzantine and Islamic periods in Egypt, but only in 1822, after the discovery of the Rosetta Stone and years of research by Thomas Young, and Jean-Francois Champlion were hieroglyphs most fully deciphered. Writing first appeared in association with kingship on labels and tags for items found in royal tombs. It was primarily an occupation of the scribes who worked out of the Perankh Institute or the House of Life. The latter comprised offices, libraries, laboratories, and observatories. Some of the best-known pieces of ancient Egyptian literature, such as the pyramid and the coffin texts, were written in classical Egyptian, which continued to be the language of writing until about 1300 BC. Later, Egyptian was spoken from the New Kingdom onward and is represented in Ramsesside administrative documents, love poetry, and tales, as well as demotic and Coptic tests. During this period, the tradition of writing had evolved into the tomb autobiography, such as those of Harkouf and Winnie, the genre known as Sabbat which is translated into instructions, was developed to communicate teachings and guidance from famous nobles. The Poor Papyrus, a poem of lamentations describing national, natural disasters and social upheaval, is a famous example. The story of Sinhu written in Middle Egyptian, might be the classic of Egyptian literature 
Also written at this time was the Westcar Papyrus, a set of stories told to Khufu by his sons relating to the marvels performed by priests. The instructions of Amenepope is considered a masterpiece of Near Eastern literature. Towards the end of the New Kingdom, the vernacular language was more often employed to write popular pieces, like the story of Winneman and the instruction of any. The former tells the story of a noble who is robbed on his way to buy cedar from Lebanon and of his struggle to return to Egypt. From about 700 BC, narrative stories and instructions such as the popular instructions of Onkinashke, as well as the personal and business documents, were written in the Demotic script and phase of Egyptian. Many stories written in Demotic during the Greco-Roman period were set in previous historical eras when Egypt was an independent nation ruled by great pharaohs such as Ramses II. Daily life was like daily life anywhere. Most Egyptians were farmers tied to the land. Their dwellings were restricted to immediate family members and were constructed of mud brick designed to remain cool in the heat of the day. Each home had a kitchen with an open roof which contained a grindstone for milling grain and a small oven for baking bread. Walls were painted white and could be covered with dyed linen wall hangings. Floors were covered with reed mats while wooden stools, beds raised from the floor, and individual tables comprised the furniture. The ancient Egyptians placed a great value on hygiene and appearance. Most bathed in the Nile and used a pasty stope made from animal flax and chalk. Men shaved their entire bodies for cleanliness. Perfumes and aromatic ointments covered bad odors and soothed skin. Clothing was made from simple linen sheets that were bleached white, and both men and women of the upper class wore wigs, jewelry, and cosmetics. Children went without clothing until maturity at about age 12, and at this age males were circumcised and had their heads shaved. Mothers were responsible for taking care of the children, while the father provided the family's income. Music and dance were popular entertainments for those who could afford them. Early instruments included flutes and harps, while instruments similar to trumpets, oboes, and pipes developed later and became popular. In the New Kingdom, the Egyptians played on bells, cymbals, tambourines, drums, and imported lutes and lyres from Asia. The ancient Egyptians enjoyed a variety of leisure activities, including games and music. Senate, a board game with pieces moved according to random chance, 
was particularly popular from the earliest times. Another similar game was Mehen, which had a circulating game board. Juggling and ball games were popular with children, and wrestling is also documented in the tomb of Ben Hasi. The wealthy members of ancient Egypt society enjoyed hunting and boating as well. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.